This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Well, thank you for being with us on the Vedic Wisdom. If you're a, a regular listener of our program, you'll hear me saying the term sense gratification. And I want to clarify that term because it's deeper than just the idea of enjoying your senses. Ooh, ice cream's good. Oh, this music is fantastic. Oh, look at that. It's much deeper, much bigger than that. Now, yes, there is that concept that I use my senses to enjoy different objects that are monitored by that particular sense. But there's more to it. Now, sense gratification is a activity of spending time, life force energy and attention on some external thing or act. I'm either doing something or I'm seeing something in the physical, external to my body. Even if I'm scratching, it's my hand is over here scratching the shoulder where the itch is, but it's in the physical. Some of their sense gratification, it's in the mental level. Oh, I'm thinking about how, how a wonderful time I had, thinking about how beautiful that person was, thinking about, uh, you know, what we did, where I went, what happened, what, you know, what I saw, etc. So it's still sense gratification on the physical platform or on the mental platform. Now, so everybody is doing that. That's what the senses are for. No. The senses are actually knowledge-acquiring tools, and they form a network of information-gathering sensors such that the mind correlates it, the intelligence analyzes it, and the living entity takes benefit. So according to the Vedic literature, this is driven by desires. And this desires means that one is conditioned to get the results of his desires. If I want something, then the result comes, and I therefore I enjoy or suffer as a result. If I want something that's good, it comes back, I get a good result. And if I want something that was foolish, oh my goodness, that didn't work out, it comes back bad. So the living entity becomes conditioned. The soul becomes conditioned when he engages in sense gratification. He doesn't act and he's forced to get the reaction. You cause it, you get the result. So when one becomes a bit enlightened on this, he goes, well, wait a minute. I'm causing my own happiness or I'm causing my own distress. Well, then I need to know what's the good acts and what's the bad acts, and I'll then choose. I can then guide my life out of the things that are not going to work out over to the things that, right, that's what I wanted, good. And then you have to determine what is really good. So there's an analysis that needs to go on. And for this, you need to have an austere mind. The mind has to be controlled. It has to be peaceful. You can't let it be constantly distracted. Now, this is a terribly difficult problem right now 
because there's the, the society we live in with this so-called technological advancement is all targeting your attention. I'm sure you've seen it, uh, whether you've seen it over a longer period of time or you've seen it at a particular moment. They've changed the length of time you get to see an image on the television set. It is shortened down now to where you do not get to see anything other than the basics of it and all the extras around the outside, the subtlety stuff, becomes subliminal influence. And you're being influenced by images that you don't even get the time to analyze whether, oh, I agree with that or I don't agree with that. It's just pop, they're gone. Pop, gone, pop, gone, pop, gone, pop, gone, gone. Here, there, here, there, here, there. And movies, uh, music videos, television, commercials, it's all gone that way. So the mind is terribly bombarded. Our minds are the focus of attack. Right now, in the human society, the attack uh, upon humanity is at the mental level. Everyone is trying to take your mind. Some people are trying to take you to cheat you. Some people are trying to take you to get you to buy something. Some people are trying to take you to misinform you. Some to inform you. But they're all struggling over control of your mind. So the reality is you need to be struggling for control of your mind from them. Because all of those things we've just been talking about, they're for someone else's interest. <laughs> they want to make you of use to them. This is criminal. In the Vedic literature, this is described as evil. And for you to have control of your attention is normal. But because we're in this technological world where everyone is attacking the mind's attention span, you actually have to struggle. You actually have to fight to keep your mind calm. In this verse, in this context, austere. It's freed from all those distractions, all those misconceptions, all those attacks upon the mind. It's free from that. Rather than allowing others to invent something for you to do, you need to be bringing your mind into a peaceful state where you can get it to focus on the things that are of your best interest. We see that this unrelenting attack upon the mind is not pious. It's not kind. It's not compassionate. It's selfish on the other people's part. This is called, in the Vedic literature, demonic the demonic always invent something for pushing sense gratification into your mind. They try to tell you you're going to enjoy this. This is really fun. This is really enjoyment. Oh, it doesn't matter what you do as long as you enjoy. This is called godless. Because the mind can't calm down to find out what is my position. What is my responsibility, my duty? What is my relationship with the other living entities? What is my relationship with nature? What is my relationship with the Supreme Personality of Godhead? It's distraction from your true purpose. So it's described in the Vedic literature as demonic. 
And we see everything in our society now. There is devil, demon, Satan everywhere, everything, all the time, constantly now. The subliminals, if you could actually see all the subliminals you're getting, you would be shocked. But they've sped it all up, so you can't notice it, you can't be shocked, you can't get angry, and you can't tell them stop it. It's just going on, and you didn't even know it. Because you don't have control of the mind. It's being controlled by others. So you become a victim of sense gratification. This causes bondage. If you do an act, you have to stay to get the result. So they're constantly distracting you and pushing. This will be fun. This will be great. You'll enjoy this. And you end up doing all these things. Oh, it wasn't all that good. Oh, I didn't like that at all. Oh, that was good. Yeah, you're fine. But you still have to stay and get the result of all those acts. And it's so described in Vedic literature that this is the cause of bondage. Bondage meaning you have to stay in this material body into this misconception of values and to get the results. And doing this for extended period of time means you have to take another birth. So this is actually building, stimulating the cycle of birth and death that is filled with, as we've covered many times, anxiety. Because it's not really fulfilling you, so it breeds anxiety. Now, this anxiety and this material predicament forced into the bondage of receiving the results of your work, it deters spiritual development. Now, you can see that's just common sense. If you're distracted and doing things externally in the physical for some silly result, you can't be busy focusing on the spiritual concept for spiritual upliftment. So your spiritual development becomes stunted by this constant distraction on things that the promise is better than the result. So we have that. This is why the saints and sages describe this age as Kali Yuga, the age of quarrel and hypocrisy, the age of suffering. Because there's so many influences attacking your free will and pulling you out of the focus on spiritual development and spiritual realization. The sense gratification is a materialistic expression and a materialistic experience of life. It's not a higher perspective. It's not a spiritual experience. It's a material perspective of life, a materialistic works. So if one is a fool, he desires these enjoyments. Oh, more enjoyment. Oh, more, more. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do this. Oh, I wish I had the money. I could do that. Oh, I wish I could do this. Ooh, I want one of those. This is called a man of uh, small knowledge. He doesn't know that his desires and all these activities he's doing are binding him to the cycle of birth and death. He doesn't know that he's forced to take the results, to stay in this material world, in this material sufferings, to get the results of all the different activities he's performed, both good and bad. So, one doesn't get peace. One doesn't get fulfillment by exercising these desires, chasing down these different activities that are meant for, a, say, enjoyment. So he doesn't do that. He doesn't want it. He just has no peace. 
this planning, trying it, planning something else, trying that, planning something, it just goes in a cycle. It doesn't actually achieve the goal. The goal is eternal happiness, freedom from anxiety, eternal body, eternal life. That's the real goal. But this cycle of enjoy, suffer, enjoy, suffer, it does not lead to the platform of peace in spiritual realization, in spiritual activities. So when one becomes spiritually awakened, he doesn't desire sense gratification any longer. He avoids it. He conquers over his mind and doesn't let other people run his attention. He runs his own attention. When one becomes serious about developing love of God, the yoga of love of God, he renounces this material sense gratification. He knows it for what it is, and he renounces it. He frees himself from the attraction and attachment of it. And this is a symptom of advancement in spiritual life, that he avoids sense gratification. He avoids useless talk. He avoids people that want to take his attention into something inferior. He avoids these different things knowing well the result they produce. And that that result is not fulfilling to the heart. It is not uplifting to the goal of becoming a self-realized, fully developed servant of the love of God. So there is a renunciation of this distraction and material attachment and sense gratification. And similarly, there is an attraction for the acquiring of knowledge and the clarity of purpose and the goal of developing your spiritual service mentality. They work as opposites. So it's said in, in the Vedic literature that you can easily understand if you're making spiritual advancement by you develop a disgust for the material activities and so-called enjoyments. That's not really enjoyment. I don't really care to do it. I don't have time for that, thank you. I've got a lot of work to do to achieve the spiritual level of perfection. So I'm not going to waste my time and allow my attention to be uh, drug into this or that type of enjoyment by someone else's influence upon me. So you have to learn, you have to see that people around you need to be concerned about their spiritual advancement. It, you need that good association. That good association breeds that understanding in you. It breeds that conception where the real set of values is put in place of the false set of values. We live in a society on a planet where false values are pumped at you every day, every minute, from every direction by everybody here. And because of it, the place is in anxiety. Everybody. The place is in anxiety. And you see it. They ignore it, or they try to hide it, or they try to deny it. But everyone has it. And so the answer can't lie in these material activities. Obviously, if it did, everyone would be happy. But it's not there. So you judge your spiritual advancement by how this is subdued. 
you subdue the mind from being distracted by others and other things and these mechanical toys and you focus to bring your mind back to the platform where you are in control of what you are taking in. Now, the situation is, from a spiritual point of view, obvious that some people won't be able to control their mind and get themselves sorted out. And so the Lord was so intelligent that he said, I need to have a method, a tool that is for the less intelligent, for those that are bombarded by the social influences and can't actually um, extract themselves from it by themselves. And so the method was created by the Lord specifically. He incarnated as Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and inaugurated the method. And he prescribes it to this day. That the tool is a sound vibration called the Maha Mantra, the great mantra for deliverance. Everyone has a tongue, everyone can talk, everyone can hear, everyone is interested in finding something pleasurable that is all there contained in the Maha Mantra. The Hare Krishna Maha Mantra is the mantra for deliverance of this age to extract you from the addiction to sense gratification and the onslaught and attack of distraction by the environment you're in. It is a pure simple, powerful, direct method that even illiterate person can engage in. A child can employ the method. Anyone can hear the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. It will benefit you. Why? Because it's not derived from this material manifestation. It's not another material sound. It's not another material enjoyment. It's not another material distraction. It is the goal, the path, the method, the spiritual potency descending to give us the tool such that we are picked up by its force. Yes, we just have to try it, do it. If we do it, the potency is there in the sound vibration to pick you up. There is so much being realized in the planet now by science, uh, the, the power, the impotency of sound. I mean, just look at the size, the intensity, the astonishing influence of music. And the music is of a hundred different varieties of music. But it still influences everyone. No one cannot be influenced. You hear this song, it either makes you happy or not. I like it or I don't. But you can't be not influenced. So the Lord, knowing the, the influence potential that lies in sound has brought forward the great mantra for deliverance, the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. The potency in that sound, the direct influence of that sound upon you, is undeniable. It lifts your consciousness. Not enjoy, not make your mind satisfied, happy. It does that too, but that's not the goal. It's not another material sound to go, ooh la la la, ooh la la la. No. It is a spiritual sound vibration that empowers you as a living entity. It purifies your senses, purifies your mind and intelligence, frees your heart, and you get control over the inclination of sense gratification. You get control over the mind. 
you can extract yourself with the assistance and the potency contained in the Maha Mantra from this endless onslaught of distraction. And you begin to see people for what they are, for what they're worth. Is this person actually my friend and cares about me growing and becoming a better person? If they're not, you let them go. And if they are, you keep them close. But you have a proper gauge for judging their input upon you. You see their input. Oh, this is a good friend. This is a fake friend. Similarly, this is a good activity. This is a waste of time. Similarly, this is a good goal. This is going to cause nothing but difficulty. So your perspective clears, just like fog in the morning. It's so foggy. The sun finally breaks through. Poof, it clears all of the fog. Everything can be seen. In the fog, only a few feet away. But when the sun arises, poof, the fog is gone and you see things clearly. This is what we have. Our society is living in a fog of selfishness. It's living in a fog of distraction. It's living in a fog of confusion. And the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra clears the fog like snapping your fingers. You can employ it anywhere, anytime, any circumstance. You can vibrate, you can sing, you can chant, you can hum this mantra anywhere, anytime. And be purified. And it clears the fog. Maybe it's a big fog. Maybe it's a little fog. Maybe it came upon you instantly. Maybe it's been there your whole life. It can still be cleared. Because the potency in the sound vibration is such it's be above all material conditions. Now, you don't have that in other music. Music is good music and bad music. Music can pull you to this emotion or that emotion. But it doesn't purify you. But the spiritual potency in the Maha Mantra, it purifies you. Simply chanting once purifies you. Chanting constantly holds you on that platform. Invincible. No material activities can take you over when you're chanting. It's that potent. And it needs to be because we're all so unfortunate. We all are victims of the onslaught. We are all under attack. So we need something that is very potent. We need something that is universal. We need something that is applicable to everyone. And that is the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. This is the great opportunity. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.